So President Trump is organising his own send-off on Wednesday in Maryland. That's nice for him, isn't it? Just hours before Joe Biden is inaugurated. But what will he do in the meantime? And what will Biden do in his first couple of days? Anything that the markets aren't already expecting? Uh, We'll look at China's GDP numbers from yesterday on the programme today and the turmoil we're seeing in Europe. Will Giuseppe Conti hold on to power in Italy? And what's expected from the ECB later on in the week? It's Tuesday, the 19th of January, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar has been up and down today without any clear direction. Basically, it's just wandering around aimlessly. The Aussie dollar is down, though, even though there hasn't been a rise in the mighty dollar. The Aussie is down 0.3%, one of the worst for the majors today, now just 76.8 US cents. Equity is not doing anything in the United States because they're not open, because it's a public holiday. So not much movement in Europe either. Uh, the FTSE 100 down a quarter percent. DAX up 0.4%. Oil down a bit further, too, a third of 1% in WTI, 0.4% down for Brent, but generally, with the holiday in the United States, not much going on. That's not going to stop us, though. There's always something to talk about, especially when we have Tapa Strickland, Director of uh, Economics for Markets at NAB in Sydney with us, which we do, and especially when a new US president will take office tomorrow. Uh, but Tapas, maybe we should start in China, first of all, because their, their growth forecast yesterday came in stronger than expected, 6.5% in the fourth quarter. So, th- I mean, this really is a V-shape. Nowhere else in the world can claim that they've got a V-shape recovery, but China certainly can. Good morning, Phil. Yes, uh, definitely. It does look like the Chinese economy uh, accelerated quite sharply uh, in the second half of last year. And when you look at the total calendar year growth, uh, the Chinese economy grew by 2.3% over 2020, even though you had that very sharp hit uh, due to the pandemic in Q1. Uh, When you look at the details, again, very much driven by the industrial side of the economy. Uh, So when you look at industrial production for December, it rose 7.3% year on year, much better than the 6.9% expected. And you can contrast the industrial side to the consumer side. Uh, And when you look at retail sales on a year-to-date basis, retail sales are actually down 3.9% year on year on a year-to-date basis. And you compare that to industrial production, which is up 2.8% on a year-to-date basis, and fixed asset investment, which is up 2.9% on a year-to-date basis. So very much saying that the reason why the Chinese economy has outperformed the rest of the world is due to the massive uh, fiscal stimulus, uh, and particularly on the industrial side of the Chinese economy. And they've achieved that, haven't they, despite the currency. They've got the yuan going from 7 US dollars to 6.5 last August. Uh, so it's gained strength. Its exports are getting more expensive, in other words. But that's not that's not slowed things down, has it? I mean, exports are up 3.6% last year. Yes, and uh, part of the reason is uh, with the rise in exports is the rest of the world is uh, still suffering very much from the global yep. pandemic. And a lot of the um, industries associated with a uh, Goods production uh, has obviously had its production capacity curtailed somewhat. And some there's some notion that China might actually be starting to gain a little bit of market share. As well as that, consumers right around the world have pivoted away from services consumption, just given you can't really go out in many places around the world due to COVID-19 restrictions and have instead pivoted towards goods consumption. And uh, as we know, uh, China is a global manufacturer of a lot of those goods. Exactly. They've all discovered AliExpress and all those uh, those Chinese sites, perhaps. So they've really become, uh, the. as I had someone describing them as the uh, the producer of last resort. It, it, it's come to that, hasn't it? And you had this increase in market shares, which we, we flagged on uh, the morning call months ago, I think. Look, it was a different story for Japan. Their industrial production for November was down 3.9%. But I mean, in November, they were seeing their COVID-19 cases rise quite 
quite sharply. Uh, in fact, that's where it started to get bad in, in Japan. Look, in Europe, Christine Lagarde has been uh, talking. She's been expressing concerns about the uh, the strength in the euro. The uh, ECB, of course, is going to announce its great decision later this week, a day after the, uh, the Biden inauguration. Uh, but, you know, there's not a lot they can do, really, is there, about the value of the euro other than cutting interest rates? But <laughs> they, can't, they can't really go any lower, can they? No, you'd have to say uh, the ECB probably has the easiest monetary policy uh, in the world. And uh, if they can't generate uh, euro weakness, then there's uh, bigger structural issues going on in terms of the recent appreciation in the euro, which has pretty much come about because of the US dollar secular decline. Yeah, absolutely. Now, look, in the US, Inauguration Day, 20,000 troops in the capital to make sure there's no trouble. Uh, Of course, there could be trouble in any US city, not just Washington. Anything is possible. But the markets, of course, are looking beyond all of that, aren't they? What they're more interested in, perhaps, is... uh, what uh, Donald Trump might do in his uh, final furlong. Uh, w- one thing that's been talked about is revoking licenses for, for companies working for Huawei. Is there a concern that he might pull something else out of his hat tomorrow? Um, I guess there could be, um, but when you look at it, he doesn't really have that much time left in office, uh, and uh, any of those mm. decisions could be quickly reversed uh, if they're done by executive order uh, under a Biden administration. Indeed, uh, in the first 10 days, uh, the Biden administration is expected to uh, unveil a a whole host of executive orders, which would uh, rescind and repeal uh, a lot of the executive orders that were undertaken by Trump. But the broader story for markets really is, uh, is the Biden administration's attitudes uh, towards China, will that change at all? Or will they follow a similar kind of messaging to uh, Trump And in that respect, it's a little bit unclear. It's more likely that a Biden administration will take a more multilateral approach. So you're less likely to see these really jerky executive orders targeting specific um, companies and persons uh, in in China. And uh, Biden administration would be more likely to use multilateral approaches such as the World Trade Organization and um, trying to gather a coalition of, of partners. It's interesting, though, isn't it? You know, I mean, in normal times, maybe a government like this, which obviously is more considerably more left-wing than uh, uh, than Donald Trump is, uh, you know, there would be some concerns from from investors about this, particularly when, you know, okay, some of the things that are that are obvious that are being revoked, like rejoining the uh, the, the Paris Agreement and uh, extending the pause on student loan repayments, which is only a, a short-term measure. But then there's other things that Joe Biden has been talking about, like for example, increasing the minimum wage, possibly to $15 an hour, which would be a very big hike. Uh, so, And yet the market doesn't seem to be responding to that sort of thing, uh, does it? Not responding too much uh, in, in that way. A lot of those things would require uh, legislative uh, changes to go through. And just given the very narrow Democratic uh, Senate majority there, uh, it's doesn't take many uh, dissenting Democrats to um, get in the way of uh, those things being legislated. And as well as that, you've still got the filibuster in, in effect as well. So uh, markets are taking a pretty sanguine view, really, you'd have to say, about a Biden administration. Yeah, because of all the checks and balances, as you say. Look, the uh, Senate Finance Committee is uh, holding a hearing today, well, Tuesday, uh, US time, to consider the nomination of Janet Yellen for the uh, for the Treasury Secretary. I, I mean, the, if you remember last year, the markets quite liked that announcement, didn't they? That you know, She was likely to get the gig because basically she's been seen as being very dovish. Uh, a dove in dove's clothing, someone described her as. I, <laughs> but the question is, what would she do about a weakening US dollar? Is, is there anything she can do? Well, I don't think she would do a lot. In fact, uh, uh, Yellen has 
and and her uh, various advisors have been doing a bit of background briefing. And the Wall Street Journal is running a line saying, uh, Miss Yellen uh, doesn't find it useful to regularly comment on the value of the dollar. She wants to make it clear that the US Treasury under her leadership wouldn't seek to weaken its value. Uh, and under the incoming administration, no other cabinet official or White House staff will talk about the dollar. Um, so very much mum's word in terms of uh, day-to-day commentary on the trajectory for the US dollar. And I think the way to interpret that is that you will not uh, hear too many comments in terms of uh, the US administration trying to drive a weaker dollar, as you did see under the Trump administration. Now, coming up very soon, uh, we're going to find out how the Italian parliament is going to uh, react to, uh, well, they're basically debating as to whether uh, Giuseppe should keep his job. Uh, Matteo Renzi, yeah, of course, pulled out for his party from the uh, coalition in Italy. So, can Giuseppe Conti continue in power? If he doesn't get the support, then he'll have to resign, which could mean they'll have to go to a new election. Not a great time to be doing that. And obviously, that's not going to inspire uh, particular investor confidence right now. All of that on top of Mark Rutter's government resigning in Holland on Friday uh, over a, a child benefits scandal, uh, scandal. I tell you, European politics, it's uh, its never boring, is it? No, definitely never boring, especially in Italy. I think it's what, 60 governments in uh, 70 years or something like that. Um, in regards to Italy, it does look like at this stage that um, Conti may uh, keep his job there. It looks like they're lobbying a few of the non-affiliated senators to try and get on side in order to support him. So at this stage, it does look like he may remain PM. And I guess the other European uh, political battle that has been going on at the recent time is uh, who takes on the leadership of the CDU in Germany when uh, Merkel uh, steps down. Yes. And um, Armin Laschet was elected uh, on the weekend and markets have genuinely welcomed his appointment. They're really seen in the same light as Merkel. Uh, the other thing that's going on this week, of course, is corporate earnings in the United States. Uh, Netflix amongst them tonight, just uh, how much more uh, TV have we been consuming during the uh, the lockdown? Netflix is expected to announce that they've reached 200 million subscribers, no doubt helped by the lockdown. But of course, they've also got uh, many new providers as well that are competing against, like Disney Plus, for example, to contend with. Plus, Netflix have pushed their price up as well. So, uh, I mean, there's a chance they could disappoint, but it's going to be an interesting number. Oh, definitely. And also, I'd be looking at the earnings from uh, Bank of America and Goldman's, which also reports later tonight. Uh, just given where uh, stocks did sell off for the, those banks that did report last Friday. Now, Europe today, we get the Zoo Economic uh, Sentiment Index for, for January, uh, the final read on inflation for Germany for December. We get uh, card spending uh, in New Zealand this morning. Andy Haldane from the Bank of England giving a talk early tomorrow. Uh, and look, we get Aussie payrolls as well for the week to January the 2nd uh, this morning. What can we expect from that? So you'd have to expect uh, the payrolls to come out a little bit weaker just given the virus outbreak in mid-December. Uh, but we don't think that's had an overwhelming impact on the labour market overall and so we'd expect that continued recovery that we've seen in the labour market uh, to continue uh, today. Uh, just interestingly, within payrolls, uh, there has been a split between the large and small employers, and it does look like the tapering of JobKeeper is affecting uh, small business employment. And uh, you can see a very large divergence between large firm payrolls, which are just 0.3% below pre-pandemic levels, compared to small firms, uh, which is 3.7% below pre-pandemic levels. So it does suggest that tapering of JobKeeper is affecting small firm employment. All right. Well, we'll see what happens when uh, everyone gets their feet back under their desks after a day off in the United States later on. But for now, great to talk. Tapas, catch you again soon. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And that's Tuesday morning's morning call. For NAB, I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.